2023 record predictions are pouring in the importance of landing one or both of the Ohio cornerback duo and a little Michigan basketball talk on this Locked On Wolverines. You are Locked On Wolverines, your daily podcast on the Michigan Wolverines, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Happy Wednesday. We are back and doing it. Locked On Wolverines podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. I am your man on the ground, Isaiah Hole, publisher of Wolverines Wire through USA Today Sports Media Group. And uh, let's get into a lot of the, the big networks are starting to release their predictions as to what they expect to happen in this upcoming season. And uh, Michigan... It's funny. It's getting some some mixed bag type stuff going on here, right? Like no one expects Michigan to be bad. Everyone expects Michigan to be among the the elite. But uh, here's let's start with my old employer, twenty four seven Sports, uh, Brad Crawford, who I think does a great job on the desk. But I always have qualms with him, right? Uh, I al- I almost always do. So here's what Brad Crawford had to predict. Uh, he said, uh, uh, when it comes to the uh, the bull projections, that's how that's how we're we're getting the kind of game by game here. Uh, he had Michigan as the number four seed taking on Georgia, which means that it is because he has Ohio State as the two seed. He has Michigan winning out essentially, except for that Ohio State game, which. That has been the case for Brad Crawford in general. I mean, last year, last two years, he had Michigan losing the game. And at least now he has Michigan in the college football playoff because he hadn't had that until after Michigan beat Ohio State each of the last two years. So now at least he has Michigan going in the playoff and losing to Georgia. Uh, but still no no feeling on his end that Michigan can beat Ohio State. This would be a third straight time, of course. Um, but... Um, the way he looks at it, Ohio State's still just better. I, I don't see how anyone can look at Ohio State and say they're probably better than they were last year. I, I just don't. I still think they'll be like a playoff team. I think that's certainly within the, I mean, in the cards. I don't, actually, I don't want to say that because it, it does feel like they could take a step back. I'm not 100% sure that they won't. But when you look at, yes, Marvin Harrison, Mecca Buka, very good. Best receiving tandem in the country, probably. But they are notably worse in almost every position than they were a year ago. That said, Ohio State, as we've talked about many, many a time on this show, has had a tendency to fall upward. Whether it's with their coaches, you know, going from essentially, I'm going to skip Luke Fickle, but from Jim Trestle to Urban Meyer. Heck, I mean, even Urban Meyer to Ryan Day, even though Ryan Day is now one and two against Michigan. But his record is even more exemplary than Urban's is overall. Um, it, it's they they just are worse personnel wise for the most part. And yes, some of those players that they have will get better, and it's a scary proposition. But again, as Joel Klatt has said multiple times, like Michigan's defense is built to stop Ohio State's offense. And it's pretty clear that Michigan's offense can do what it wants against Ohio State's defense. If Michigan's healthy, then, I mean, all bets are off. I mean, some might say that about Ohio State not having Jackson Smith and Jigba last year. Michigan handled 
the trio of uh, Chris Olave, Jackson Smith, and Jigba, and Garrett Wilson just fine the year beforehand. And I think that that would be, you know, it's not that much different than what they're trotting out there at the moment. But worst quarterback position, worst uh, along the offensive line, same on the, the running back position, which hasn't done a heck of a lot against Michigan in the last two years. It was better last year than it was two years ago when Travion Henderson was healthy. Mayan Williams has since stepped up. Defensively, it's probably worse, theoretically, unless Jim Knowles has that magic. But Michigan should be better pretty much everywhere. That's the thing that that's different. But nonetheless, I'm, I'm spending a lot of time to just delving into the game here, whereas Brad Crawford, again, I have nothing but respect for him, but he he just isn't giving Michigan that credence that they can be better than Ohio State overall. Nonetheless, I mean, he's still saying Michigan can lose to Ohio State and go to the playoff. Um, I still am of the belief that that should be an elimination game as the playoff currently stands at four teams. That's just me. I, I don't think you should get that second crack. But you know what? Ohio State got it last year, so I say, why not have it this year? So that's one prediction. This one I thought was more interesting. CBS Sports' Tom Fornelli, he's been running through the conferences predicting wins and losses and such. Uh, he had Michigan State at 6-6, six and six, which kind of surprised me. But the over-under for Michigan, 10.5 wins, according to his site here. He has Michigan beating, and I'll run through, because he gives a game-by-game game here. East Carolina, UNLV, Bowling Green, so we're through the non-conference. Indiana, Maryland, Rutgers, Nebraska, Minnesota. That's not all in order because, you know, <laughs> Nebraska and Minnesota. Uh, Mar- Mar- Rutgers, Nebraska, Minnesota are the earlier part, but anyway. Michigan State, Purdue, Ohio State. So he has Michigan beating Ohio State. One team not on that list. He has the loss at Penn State. Which I think is the most dangerous game, but again, Michigan's beaten Penn State two straight years, ran them off the field quite literally last year. Penn State was lucky to be in that game at any given point. Penn State could be better, but that's like a question, right? I don't think it's it's out of the question. It's just a question. Here's what Tom Fornelli had to say about it. Last season, I had both Michigan and Ohio State starting the year 11-0 before meeting in the final week of the regular season, and that's what happened. I don't have that happening this year. The non-conference shouldn't provide a challenge, so we probably won't get a clear reading of how good this team is until a road trip to Nebraska in late September, or we might have to wait until mid-November when the Wolverines go to State College. It's the only regular season game I have them losing. What's more interesting about what Fornelli predicted here is he has Michigan beating Ohio State. He has Ohio State beating Penn State. And Penn State beating Michigan. So if that's the case, what happens? The fun time of the Big Ten tiebreakers. So just real quick, going through them, because I I think we can all use a refresher. I need it probably more than anybody. Uh, So first, the records of three or more tied teams will be compared based on winning percentage in games between the tied teams. In that case, they'd all have the same winning percentage. Then, and these are in order, right? They, they, you eliminate one, you know, one, then you go to the next. The records of the tie, the the teams will be compared based on the winning percentage within their division. That'd be the same. 
Records of the three teams would be compared against the next highest place teams in their division in order of finish. Um, so four, five, six, and seven. I, again, we'll see. So it gives the caveat when arriving at a group of tied teams while comparing records, use each team's record against the collective tied teams as a group rather than the record against individual teams. Then the record of the three or more teams will be compared based on winning percentage against all common conference opponents. Again, all, pretty much the same. Records of the three or more teams would be compared based on the best cumulative conference winning percentage of non-divisional opponents. Be the same records of the three or more teams will be compared against the highest placed non-divisional teams in their division of order of finish that's where michigan could be a little bit in trouble right because unless like purdue ends up being really good i believe ohio state plays wisconsin and i'm not sure what penn state schedule is Next one is the best team with the overall winning percentage shall be the representative. And then lastly, the representative will be chosen by random draw. I hope we don't get to that. That's that's I hope we don't get to that. I don't want that. <laughs> Hopefully Michigan finds a way to just win it out. But at least some are giving Michigan that ability to win it all or not win it all, but beat Ohio State. I think that. I don't, I don't, I, I think it would be fine if Michigan beats Ohio State and doesn't win the Big Ten. If it's still, if that's the, you know, if Penn State's the only loss, you still probably make it in the playoff. But I mean, I want to go back to Indy again, right? Who doesn't? It's a fun time. Uh, and I don't want Penn State to have those accolades. So I guess I do mind. Anyway, let's move on. Let's talk a little bit about uh, Aaron Scott and Bryce West. I know we talked about them a little bit on Monday. I want to just kind of give more thoughts, delve a little bit more into it. Just my, you know, some of my feelings here and there. Uh, we'll get into that in just one moment. Before we do that, if you want to join the Comfort Kingdom, then I have got just the thing for you. Bird Dogs is revolutionizing comfort when it comes to your pants as well as your shorts. Whether you're looking for something dressy for the gym, you were trying to go out to the lake this summer, anything in between the golf course, dinner, did I say dinner? <laughs> Bird Dogs has got you covered. You'll look and you'll feel better wearing Bird Dogs, and they'll allow you the versatility of going from the beach to the golf course right to dinner or to your next meeting. Pretty much everything. Take my guy, Bert Kreischer, AKA the machine. He wakes up at his lake house. He goes for a swim. He smokes a cigar, grills, chills with his family, all in his summer shorts, living the life. If you want to live that same life, then go to birddogs.com slash locked on college. That's birddogs.com slash locked on college and get a free Yeti style tumbler with your order. All right, I probably could have ended with this segment. I don't know how long it's going to be. Uh, but certainly worth to discussing. Michigan is still in the thick of it with Bryce West and uh, with Aaron Scott. Don't know whether or not uh, Bryce West made that secret. To, no, not secret, but that uh, unofficial visit. He's made secret visits to Ann Arbor. Like that... That in and of itself tells you he is not with he's been to campus like 10 times. He is not an Ohio State lock. Will he end up at Ohio State? If if I was a betting man, I would probably bet on it. But I wouldn't bet the farm. I don't have a farm, but I wouldn't bet a farm if I had it. 
because Michigan is being given some real, real consideration here. But it's still difficult to, to, for a, you to look at a Cleveland Glenville kid that Ohio State wants in the worst way and say, yeah, they're probably going to Michigan. That's a very difficult proposition. Still, it's within the cards. And then you add in the fact that between him and Aaron Scott, Aaron, Aaron Scott, who came and visited part of an 18 uh, visitor class, 13 of which at the time were commits, now 14. You're, you're in a situation, and this is where I think Michigan is really smart. Because I don't know that it's necessarily you get one or you get the other. I don't think that's necessarily the case at all. But what I think is really smart is that Michigan's kind of almost trying to create that. Now, if you can get Aaron Scott to commit before Bryce West, then that's that's the rub right there. That's how you that's how you get that done. Um, I don't know whether or not that would happen either, but you get you get them around all of the guys who are going to be playing at Michigan. You let them form a bond and say. Like, because it does seem like, at least with Aaron Scott, that it it feels like that he's got a bigger, stronger bond with the players that are coming to Ann Arbor than the ones in Columbus. Maybe I'm wrong. Bryce West, I'm not really sure about that. Um, certainly, I mean, Aaron Scott has has guys that are also going to uh, Ohio State, the Armstrong twins, and such. Um. That being certainly not the same as I think what Ben Roebuck is the one that that goes to school with the Armstrong twins. Um, but um, it, it really helps, right? If you create that bond with those guys and say, I don't want to play against those guys. I want to play with those guys. And I think Michigan's secret weapon really is uh, Steve Klingscale. Ohio native that has shown a proclivity towards really being able to coach. And right now, all Michigan really has to keep doing is sitting these guys down and showing them clips of how Michigan's corners perform in the Michigan defense and how the Ohio State corners have performed in the Ohio State defense. And you can sit there and be like, look, there's so much that we can do for you. You'll be able to do man, you'll be able to do zone, You'll, you'll, there's, you'll be able to do all these different things. We'll, we'll, we'll be able to get you into this situation where you'll be as well-rounded as possible. We're going to put you in positions to succeed. Look at how our corners did against the high-flying Ohio State offense. And guess what? You, they'd like to recruit all of these top wide receivers every single year. You can go and show that you can lock those guys down. The, the inverse of that, unfortunately, is you can go up against those guys in practice. Didn't really do him any good. The guys that air in Columbus uh, <laughs> the, last, the last two years, really last year, because they got burnt through the air more so last year. But nonetheless, that's a compelling argument. It is of utmost importance for Michigan. Now, it won't be a disaster if they don't get either or both or whatever. It's not a disaster. The only thing that would be disappointing is you've seen some of the other targets. Uh, Andre Evans committed to LSU. I think uh, Terion Nichols is off the board um, as well, I think. 
so you're, you're kind of dwindling in the ability to have corners come into the class. But losing them isn't of the worst variety as much as gaining them is of the best. Because if you gain those two guys, or honestly just one of them, then suddenly you really have everyone turning on Ryan Day. What's more, it, it's, you, you get guys that know the rivalry that come and play in it. Ohio State, one of, I think it's issues in, in recent years here is they, they are starting to have guys who aren't as entrenched in it. It, it. it isn't, I think that's where the smartness comes when it comes to the regional aspect here is because if you beat Ohio State and you're Michigan, you're going to be in the playoff. Now, the playoff's changing anyway, but you, you're giving yourself the best chance to win the Big Ten. And when you get guys with a chip on their shoulder... It's. I mean, it. We we joked for years about Michigan State and the shoulder chips and blah blah blah. Unfortunately, Michigan needed that. They needed exactly that. Look at how well that worked out for Michigan State for so long, and I mean, it still has worked in the rivalry. Michigan needs exactly that, right? It needs to to feel disrespected, and it's going to continue to. You know, Michigan's beaten Ohio State twice. That's an eternity in college football lifetime, right? And yet, there's so many people sitting there being like, oh, well, you can't do it. I mean, I've seen comments on Twitter recently that were just like, uh, yeah, Michigan can't beat Ohio State. Or actually, I think that was on Instagram. It was on, uh, I think it was uh, Aaron Scott's Instagram post of him in uh, Michigan uniform. Like, you're really going to go to Michigan? They can't even beat Ohio State. What? That's what Michigan needs. Is that that chip on their shoulder and being able to get one or two of those guys could be immeasurable when it comes to the rivalry. Immeasurable. That would be the clear sign that it is churned. But it's baby steps. Win this battle. Then the win the one in November. That's how it has to go. Let's talk a little Michigan basketball. They, uh, they released the, uh, the non-conference schedule. And then uh, there, there's some, some bad transfer <laughs> portal news as well. So we'll get to all that here in just a moment. I will tell you what, for all of the, the positives that have come with uh, Michigan football, it feels like, you know, Michigan basketball is dying so that Michigan football can thrive. Just can't have both great at the same exact time. Um, Michigan basketball released their uh, non-conference schedule for 2023-24. Let's go over it real quick. Um, it, it's got some challenges, but it's exciting. I just wish that more of it was in Ann Arbor. That's the problem. Um, all right, so they don't have the exhibition yet, but season opens November 7th, two days before my birthday in Ann Arbor. Uh, UNC Asheville, uh, then Youngstown State, the same night as Metallica, the night before Penn State. Then they have the Gabbett tip-off games. Uh, they're going to New York to face St. John's and uh, the Fighting Rick Patinos, uh, Long Beach State. Then they've got the Battle for Atlantis and Bahamas. And uh, I had this pulled up, and it wants to 
bring up a bunch of ads and stuff and just completely messed me up here. Um, all right, so I've got to figure out how to get this back. Men's tournament. Okay, here we go. Uh, so Michigan is participating in that tournament, which they won a couple years ago and lost last year or two years ago. I can't remember. They won, they won it in, in Juwan's first year, 2019. Uh, but the teams that are involved in that are Arkansas, Memphis, North Carolina, Northern Iowa, Stanford, Texas Tech, and Villanova. So that is fun. That is, that's a fun mix of, of, of teams there. Uh, that's uh, midweek before Thanksgiving, uh, before during during Thanksgiving. Uh, then they go to Eugene, Oregon to play at Oregon, come back home to play Eastern Michigan. Uh, and then you've got the Jumpman Invitational in Charlotte, North Carolina against Florida. And then back to Ann Arbor to face McNeese State while many of us are out at whatever bowl game that there is. So that's fun. I think that that, that certainly, I love seeing the Power 5 teams on there. I love seeing Florida and Oregon, knowing that they can play North Carolina. Uh, I mean, St. John's isn't anything that I think is right to write home about necessarily, but I mean, going up against a Rick Pitino coach team is a big deal. So I think that's exciting. I think that there are some exciting teams on there. I mean, even like Arkansas, Memphis, I mean, that's, those are all great matchups. Um, but as as we get that, it just doesn't seem like things are still going in the right direction for uh, for Michigan basketball. Um, after everything that's kind of happened here in the uh, in the transfer portal, the Caleb Love thing being kind of the main one, uh, all of the kind of hopes were pinned on getting Antonio Reeves from Kentucky and enrolled at Illinois State in the transfer portal, all of that stuff. He decided apparently, according to 24-7 Sports, to come back to Kentucky. So no luck there, but Michigan is targeting a Memphis uh, transfer here. Um, Chandler Lawson, I mean, he he's not your guard, right? Like it, for all of the kind of like looking at, are they going to get like a point guard or a shooting guard? And obviously they've got a couple there, but they need more. Uh, he, they were, they're looking at Chandler Lawson. Um, he's a grad transfer from Memphis. He's six, seven, uh, he's a forward, but uh, you, you know, also kind of a shooting guard as well. Shoots 50% from three, uh, 56% from the field. So, uh, it could be interesting to see if uh, if they can end up getting a guy like that. Now, they've already got the three in, in this class as far as transfers. Trey Jackson from Seton Hall, uh, Namari Burnett uh, from Alabama via Texas Tech, and uh, Olivier Nakamoa. So, I, I don't know if I'm saying that right at all. I'm probably not. So there's still some talent there to be able to go and do some things, right? And obviously, we're, we're going to be looking at that point guard position, Doug McDaniel, and uh, and assuming it is Jalen Llewellyn still, uh, how does Terrace Reed fit in, uh, Terrace Reed and Terrence Williams? There's still a lot of talent and still a lot of capability. But yeah, you just want one or two more guys there. I mean, Shedder could be really good. I, I guess we're, I'm not even really thinking about the freshman at this point. But obviously losing Papacante, that didn't help. It's just been a tumultuous offseason. And you hope that it just kind of gets cemented because it doesn't feel like it normally at this time around the NBA draft. I mean, that's coming up tomorrow. 
Usually it kind of feels like, cool, NBA draft is happening and we can get excited about what's going to come in the fall. And I don't, I'm not feeling that at the moment from either internally or just externally. So they've got to figure some things out. I am excited about seeing the schedule release and everything and getting that all kind of cemented. I think that'll be fun, uh, but definitely need some reasons for some optimism and some excitement. That is for sure. Uh, Paul Mulcahy from Rutgers supposedly not currently considering Michigan. So um, that's disappointing as well. All right, that's going to do it for us today. Uh, I haven't put out the question as of yet. It will be up eventually here for the mailbag. Get your questions in on Twitter, uh, responding to my uh, my prompt. Uh, so that will be Thursday. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. We'll be back soon. Peace. <laughs>